Good morning, church. How are you? You good? Are you excited to be here? Because I'm excited to be here. I hope that you are as well. If this is your first time hanging out with us today, let me say a special welcome to you. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. And man, Fusion City Church is a place that loves new people. So if this is your first time with us today, um, we'd like to give you a gift just for showing up. Just our way of saying thanks for spending some time with us. We know you could have picked a lot of other places to hang out today. And the fact that you're here with us means a lot to us. So much, in fact, that we like to give you that gift. Now, how you get that is you'll take just a few minutes during your time with us today to fill out the bottom portion of the program that you got when you came in. We call that a connection card. If you'll take your connection card to the hub just inside the doors you came in, we have a gift there for you. Again, just our way of saying we're really glad that you're here and we hope that you have a meaningful experience and connection with God today as a result of hanging out with us. Now, if, if you haven't been with us for the last several weeks, we've been uh, in a series the last two weeks called Anxious for Nothing. Based on a command that we find in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 8 from the Apostle Paul. So I'd like to start uh, just by, by reading that. But if you, again, if you haven't been with us for the last couple of weeks, I really encourage you to go to our website, check out the, the, the Listen Online tab, and listen to the messages from the first two weeks. In week one, we talked about how the, uh, the presence of anxiety is unescapable, it's, it's unavoidable. We, we, we are always going to have some measure or some things come into our life that cause us to be anxious. But the prison of anxiety is optional. And we believe that the verses that we're going to look at uh, today and throughout the rest of this series are the ticket out of this prison of anxiety in which we can find ourselves sometimes. And last week, we talked about how when we have that connection with Christ, that when we, we can let our reasonableness, our gentleness, the, the, we want it to be this contagiously calm person that, that inspires calm in others based on the relationship that we have with Christ. And today we're going to look at verse 6. Before we look at verse 6, I want to read the whole passage together. I hope that maybe you're starting to memorize some of these thoughts. We challenge the students in our student ministry uh, to memorize these five verses because we believe that these have the impact, the practical impact to, to change our lives radically in how we deal with stress and worry and things of the likes. Let's read together Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Like I said, today I want to look specifically at verse 6. We're going, to, we're going to break it down, take it in kind of two parts. So the first part, Paul says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. In other words, Paul is saying, in all circumstances, in every situation and regarding all things. 
pray. In all things, pray. Have you guys ever had a moment where something isn't funny then, but then as you look back on it, maybe weeks or months or even years later, now you can find the humor in the situation. You guys ever had anything like that? Show of hands to anybody. Ever have a situation like that? Like, wasn't funny then, kind of hilarious now. All right, happened to me uh, about a year and a half ago. Um, so I have two daughters. Uh, Emma is my oldest daughter, Leah, the youngest. Uh, both of them are dancers. Uh, they, they, they do the, the dance lessons and the recitals and the competitions. They're, they're dan- I got little princesses. They dance, right? They dance. Um, I, I didn't want to be a dance dad, but I ended up as a dance dad. It just happened. Um, so about a year and a half ago, um, Aaron and I, my wife, were still living with, with my parents while we were building a house. And so we were in my mom's house. And um, so we took two, two daughters that had rooms of their own. And we put them in one room together. And so their room stayed a mess because... They got a lot of stuff, and so they're not very good at keeping their room clean. Um, so they lost, both of them, both of them lost their, their jazz dance shoes. And if you don't know what jazz shoes are, don't worry, not important to the story. But they lost their jazz shoes, right? Uh, both of them couldn't find them. And it, so we let them go to dance the, the first week with no jazz shoes, even though they were supposed to have jazz shoes to go to dance. And they didn't have them, but we sent them anyway. Week two comes around, still can't find the shoes. Now, for the whole week, I've been, been angry because jazz shoes cost money. Y'all know they don't give them, th- them things away for free, right? Y'all know that? They don't give them away for free. So they cost money. So now I'm looking at having to, to potentially buy new shoes for both of my daughters who simultaneously lost their jazz shoes, right? So I'm ill because I don't like spending money if I don't have to. And I don't feel like I have to because they should have been responsible. And now I want to teach them a lesson. So the decree comes down from dad. There will be no dance until we find the jazz shoes. Ain't happening. We're not going. I can't remember. Aaron will have to correct me later. I think they, we might have had them miss one week. Like, I think we, like, they're, like, they're crying. I'm angry. Like, it's, it's, it was emotional. So we're, we're coming upon the, the next week, I believe, where they, they missed dance the last week because dad was mad and wouldn't let them go. And I'm mean and horrible in that regard because I want to teach my children to be responsible. You know how mean we are when we're trying to teach our kids something. So, like, so we get to the next week. Still haven't found the shoes. And there's a mad dash around the house to locate the, the coveted jazz shoes which have gone missing. And, again, emotions are high because we're bumping up against, like, you're not going to dance again this week. Like, they're crying. I'm yelling. It's, it's a catastrophe. Um, in the midst of all of this, like, high emotion, dad angry, children crying, mom mad at dad because I don't want them to go to dance. And we paid for it. They should get to go. Like, that whole, like we got everybody. It's, it's tense in, in the Malden house because I'm, like, the Duncan family living in the Malden house. There's lots of people. Everybody looking for shoes. We can't find them. Leah, my youngest, God bless her, grabs one of our phones. I don't remember who. Mine, Aaron's, might have even been my mom's. We all have uh, iPhones. And holds the button at the bottom and says, hey, Siri, where would my dance shoes be? And Siri responds, I don't know how to complete this request. Right? Like, you know how Siri gets, you get a little snarky with you sometimes. Now, my mother starts to giggle because my daughter just asked Siri where to find her jazz shoes, right? 
Dad, not so much. <laughs> like, like now, in the midst of all this seriousness and the high tension, my daughter goes to Siri for the answer. No one, she, she's just being silly. Like, I'm still angry. I'm still red-faced and screaming. My mom is laughing. My wife is starting to laugh. Leah, you know how kids get when, like, an adult laughs at something. Now they think what they did was right, so now she wants to do it over and over. Like, now it's not even, nobody's mad. Everybody's just laughing except for Dad. Because I still got to spend money on jazz shoes, apparently. They, they were found, by the way. Um, I tell you that story <laughs> once, so you know what I deal with at home. Like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, trying to confess, get some stuff off my chest. Um, now, as I look back on, on the entertaining story of my silly little girl who decides to ask Siri to help her find her dance shoes, um, I can laugh now a little, <laughs> a little, little bit. Like, I'm, I'm, Jesus is still kind of softening my heart. I'm still a little bit angry that we had, anyway. But here's the thing. Imagine the kind of confidence you would have in Siri if you could submit such a silly, seemingly trivial request and get like a helpful answer. Imagine how much more, imagine how many more iPhone users there would be, right? Android would completely be done, which is probably a good and right thing. Like that should probably happen anyway. Uh, Android is of the devil. Uh, we're a Mac church, by the way. Everything you're going on today is happening via, via Apple and Macintosh and all that world. So um, anyway, so imagine though, imagine the confidence to be able to go to Siri. Well, the reality is that, that we should have that kind of confidence as we go to our heavenly father in this thing that we know to be prayer. And Paul tells us that we should be anxious for nothing. Anxious for nothing. I'd have felt a whole lot better if he'd have said anxious for little. Just, just be anxious a little bit. No, Paul says be anxious for nothing, but in everything. Like when you lose your jazz shoes. Everything, we should pray. In everything, by prayer and supplication. Now, I don't know if, if you, like me, didn't have a great understanding of the word supplication. I know what it means to pray. Prayer is this, is this kind of general, everything that we ask of God, every time we come to God, every time we communicate with, every time we have a, a conversation with our Heavenly Father, that's prayer. But Paul adds this other word that's not quite as familiar to us, this word supplication. And the word supplication is defined as this earnest, repeated, yet humble pleading for something. Now all of those things have to be present for it to be supplication. It has to be repeated over and over and over. Uh, other translations of your Bible say use the word petition. Instead of supplication, so by prayer and petition, what's a petition? Lots and lots and lots of coming to or coming or lots and lots and lots of people concerned about the same thing. So there's this repeated idea. It's also an earnest, specific yearning to see something change. Paul says this is how we are to come to our Heavenly Father and to do so humbly. Supplication carries with it a, an attitude of Humility, understanding to which or to whom we come. 
to our heavenly Father who provides all and knows all and gives all. Everything is, is from and for and by him, right? So we come humbly. All of that is, is collected inside of this, this term, supplication. And so Paul says, in every situation, in everything, come to God in prayer and in supplication. Corey Ten Boom said it this way. She said, is prayer your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? Are you a crisis prayer, prayer, like the one, you can't even separate that way, you can't even do it. Are you, are you one who only prays in crisis or, or is your coming to God more of a continual and consistent thing? Because see, Paul says, if we want to be anxious for nothing, if we want to find calm in all situations, that we should come to God in everything. And then we should be then specific in what we're coming to him for. So here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to give you three principles, three reasons that I believe that praying specifically matters. That, that how we pray, that when we pray that we should be specific. I want to give you three reasons why we should come specifically in prayer. Three compelling reasons. Number one, specific prayers are serious prayers. Specific prayers are serious prayers. As a, as a younger believer, um, when I was just beginning to, to understand this idea of prayer and what it means to confess sin and repent from sin, all this other kind of stuff that I was learning, um, I would often end my prayers with, God, forgive me of all my sins. Right? And here's the thing. I can't feel the weight of all my sins. It becomes ambiguous at that point. Like there's, there's a lot of them. I know there's a lot of them. I don't want to talk about each of them individually. Let's just, God, just forgive me for all of them. My blanket statement. And as long as I said all, I was covered. Right? That's kind of how I felt. Like. As long as I say, forgive me of all my sins, God has to forgive me of all my sins. God will forgive you of all your sins. But God wants us to pray specifically because here's the truth of the matter. Though I cannot feel the weight of all of my sins, I can very much feel the weight of one. To call it by name, to recognize my infraction as it pertains to the, to the will and purposes of God, to, to identify that one thing. God, I did this thing today, and I know that doesn't honor you. God, will you forgive me? When we call it specifically, we, we feel the weight. It's no longer ambiguous. It's, it's, it's this thing, this specific thing. God, that I know that I did this that dishonored you. Specific prayers are serious prayers, right? All of us want world peace, right? Like as if we were all competing for Miss America. Like we all, we, that's very generalized. I'm sorry, I didn't laugh. I, I guess that was funnier for me. I, I, we all want world peace. But, but world peace starts with our care and concern for the person that we can see, our neighbor, our family member, our co-worker, our brother, sister, or friend. World peace starts very specifically 
with who you have the opportunity to interact with and change. All right, so specific prayers are serious because they become very personal. Number two, specific prayers are opportunities to see God's work. When we are specific in our prayer, when we're specific in that one thing that we want to see God do or change, when we're specific about this one thing and these circumstances, not, not all of them, God, but these specifically, then when God answers or when God intervenes, when God interacts with that specific situation, there's a tremendous amount of clarity that God has been at work in this situation. Let me give you an example from the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 24, Abraham's servant has been sent out to find a wife for Abraham's son, Isaac. So the servant is going to go find the wife for Isaac. That's what's going on in the scenario, just to give you a little bit of context. This is his prayer. Look at this. Look at how specific he is in his request. Genesis chapter 24, verses 12 through 14. Then he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Watch this. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Did you see it? Did you see how specific he was? Hey, God, this is how I'm going to know. This is what I want you to do. I'm going to go to the well, and I'm going to ask a bunch of girls for a drink. The one that says not only can I have a drink, but she wants to give some water to my camels too, that's how I'm going to know that she's the one that you've sent for your servant Isaac. Do you see the specificity in it? Do you see how, how, how very clear and defined it is? You see, when we're specific with what we're asking God for, it's our opportunity to foresee him show up in that specific circumstance. Oftentimes, uh, I began to experience this when I was in like youth group, like high school, middle school, youth group growing up. Um, there became this influx of things during our prayer time uh, called unspoken prayer requests. You guys ever heard this? You guys ever, you ever received like, hey, I have, a, I have an unspoken prayer request. Um, here's, here's, the, here's the problem with unspoken prayer requests. I don't believe that I have the power to change God's mind at all. So especially then, as I go to God in prayer and I say, hey God, um, my friend wanted me to pray about something. I don't know what they want me to pray. Like they just want me to pray. So I'm just praying in general about this thing that I don't know anything about. And they didn't say, and so God, I want you to get glory from this, but I don't even know if you're gonna work because if you work and you fix it, God, I won't even know. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't get what an unspoken prayer request could do. See, there's, there's no way for God to get glory from that. God can't glory in an answer to an unspoken request because how am I going to know the answer? How am I going to know that he interacted? How am I going to know? So here, like, if you, listen, if you, even recently, because it didn't stop with youth group. Like, it's on Facebook. All of y'all seen it on Facebook. Everybody got, hey, I got a bad situation. Y'all pray. 
yeah, whatever. Like, I can't, God can't get glory from that because I don't know your situation. So that seems more like a cry for attention. Just FYI. If you did that, like, repent, right? Just, like, repent. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. God wants to get glory. God is passionate about his glory. Did you know? God wants to be glorified. Here, Here would be my advice to you. If you have a matter that's very private and very personal, that's, that's, that's great. Like that's, that's not great if it's a bad thing. But like if you have something that you don't want the rest of the world to know about, this would be my advice. Instead of an ambiguous, everybody tell me you're praying for me on Facebook, you, you, need, you need a close, believing friend that you can confide in. And that you can share your struggle with. And then ask them to pray earnestly with supplication to their heavenly father along with you. So that both of you, when you receive an answer and when you see God work, that both of you then might be able to give glory to your father in heaven. Listen, I don't want us to be a church of unspoken prayer requests. Because here's the reality. All of us are a bit messed up. Did y'all know that? We don't let perfect people come to Fusion City Church because if you're perfect, you're going to mess everything up for us because we have a 100% imperfect people policy at Fusion City Church. None of us here have all this figured out. We are on a journey of faith trying to figure out how to honor Christ better, and we don't always get it right, which means from time to time, I'm going to have some junk. I'm going to have some stuff. I'm going to have some messed up things I don't want a whole lot of people knowing about. So I'm going to go to one or two and say, hey, look, this is what I'm dealing with, and I know it's not right, and I know I've failed God. Would you pray with me that God would help heal or restore me because I don't want to deal with this anymore? But, but until it's specific, I have no opportunity to see God work if I'm not specific in what I ask. Number three, specific prayers create a lighter load. Specific prayers create a lighter load. Peter told us this in the book that he wrote for the Bible, the letter. He said, casting all of your care on Upon him, for he cares for you. You see, it's our willingness to come to God in prayer that reminds us of his power. It reminds us that that we don't have all the answers. If I had all the answers, I wouldn't need to pray. But God, I'm coming to you in prayer because I don't have all the answers. I get scared. I get frustrated. I get upset. I start to worry. I have anxiety. I fall short. I fail. God, you never do. So I'm coming to you because I know that you love me. And I know that you're concerned for me. And I know that I can bring all of the things that worry and weigh on me. God, I can give those to you. And you never worry. You're never scared. And you always have the answers because, God, you're in control of everything. Imagine a day where when you wake up and you begin to assess your day. Here's what I got going on today. God, I got to deal with a patient today that is ornery. And hard to deal with. I got to deal with a client 
God, my parents, God, my teenagers, my students, my, like who, God, everything that I have, God, I, I have this, this big project due for work that I haven't completed, like whatever it is. As you begin to assess your day and all of the things that you're going to encounter throughout the day, God, imagine, imagine with me this prayer. God, I've got, I've got this and I've got that and I've got this and then this is going to happen. And God, I'm worried about all of it. So here's what I'm going to do. God, I'm going to cast all of my care on you. I'm going to give every situation to you, God. I'm asking that you go before me, that you soften hearts, that you change minds, that you make teenagers stop stinking, that you, like God, you do whatever you got to do. Between now and the time that I get to where I got to be, God, I give that to you. Now, think with me. When you get to that difficult situation and and anxiety begins to creep in. Fear starts to, to take over. Imagine the confidence you could have. Say, you know what? I, I don't have to be worried about this anymore. I gave this to God hours ago. I, I've placed all my care upon him, and he cares for me. I am not going to endure anything today that is outside of God's sight or his control or his ability to use for my betterment. So if I have to deal with an unruly patient or a rude client or a disobedient child or a stubborn parent, I'll do it today through his power, not mine, because I believe that he's gone before and ahead of me. Can you imagine how many situations of your day would change for the better if you gave them to God beforehand. I'm telling you, it's a better way to live. It's, it's a less stressed way to live. You see, we come to God because we believe the one, He's the one that, that can change all of that. And here's the, here's the remarkable thing: that when we when we come to God with our specific prayers. Right, And we're, we're serious about them. We give ourselves an opportunity to see God work. And we trust in him to go before us because we know that he cares for us. Then God gets all of the glory for the good things that happen. The giver always gets the glory. Not the one who's asking for the gift. Right? Think about uh, super, or superhero movies are all the rage right now. Like there's, there's one out every six weeks, right? like a brand new one. I watch all of them because I geek out of I had a bunch of comics as a kid. I like the superhero movies. But in, let's, let's just take Superman, for example, right? At the end of the day, when everybody's been rescued and everybody's been saved and all the world is back and everybody that was evil and bad has been killed or otherwise, you know, taken care of. Like, they're, they're done. They're out of the picture, right? Who are the people celebrating? Superman, right? Superman gets the, the glory, the credit, and even in the midst of the trial, even in the midst of all the chaos and the coming, when Superman shows up, everybody's like, whew, finally, Superman's here. Like, he's got this. Imagine your life where you invited God to show up in every situation. How much, how much less worry and stress you'd have when, when, when your superhero shows up to save the day. See, he's going to get the glory. He's going to get the credit. And there should be a confidence and a calm when we know that God's got us. 
which is why I believe Paul added this, this little two-word phrase that, that acts as a, as a framework, as a, as a lens through which we view all the rest of our prayer. He, he says this, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Watch this, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Do you know how we can be grateful when we pray? Because we trust in a God who loves and cares for us and who has already gone before and who is ultimately in control. So when we come to God, we come in a posture of of gratitude. We come grateful because because this is how we're seeing our request. God, I'm coming to you with this, but I'm already grateful for what you're going to do. So mixed in with all of our help me and show me and please give me and I need the strength too should be a whole lot of thank you. You see, gratitude is more a focus on what we do have instead of on what we don't or what we feel that we need. And here's the thing about gratitude. Gratitude is the antithesis to worry and anxiety. You, listen, listen, look, look right here. Everybody, look at me. Look, look right now. Everybody, right here. Look at me right here. Listen. You cannot celebrate and be grateful and simultaneously be worried and anxious. You can't do it. Your heart won't let you. You cannot be both grateful and anxious at the same time. So if you want to get rid of anxiety in your life, you need a little more gratitude. Max Licato, or who my oldest daughter thought I said mashed potatoes on the podcast last week. <laughs> I just thought I'd share that with y'all. Since I thought about my youngest, talking about my oldest. She said, why is they talking about mashed potatoes? No, it's Max Licato. Max Licato wrote the book, Anxious for Nothing, that we've been reading through uh, for the last several weeks, both as individuals and in our groups. And... In his chapter on gratitude, he said it like this. I thought it was powerful. I wanted to read it to you. As we think about all of the things that God is doing and has done in our life, he he encourages us to do this. He says, look at your blessings. Do you see any friends, family? Do you see any grace from God, the love of God? Do you see any gifts, abilities, or talents, skills? As you look at your blessings, take note of what happens. Anxiety grabs his bags and slips out the back door. And then I highlighted and underlined this next sentence. Worry refuses to share the heart with gratitude. One heartfelt thank you will suck the oxygen out of worry's world. So say it often. Focus more on what you do have and less on what you don't. And then he reminds us of how Paul modeled this for us. Even as he wrote the letter that we now know to be the book of Philippians from prison, Paul wrote, Be anxious for nothing, 
but in everything by prayer and supplication. Make your requests known to God. So here's my challenge for you this morning. I want you to make a list. I want you to physically write down a list of all the things that you're grateful for. I know it's not November, it's not Thanksgiving. Why don't we talk about gratitude in May? I want you to make a list. Not right now, maybe sometime today or later this week, because it's going to be a long list. You're going to need a lot of paper or a lot of storage on your phone if you want to do it there. That's like, whatever, that's a great place. But here's what we do. The next time that you feel anxious, overcome by worry or anxiety or guilt or stress, I want you to go find your list. And I want you to start remembering all the things, all the people, all the blessings, all the good things that God has done. I want you to look at your list. Because here's what I know is true. Worry can't share the heart with gratitude. The two cannot coexist. If you want to get rid of anxiety, if you want to be anxious for nothing, then by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Let's make it practical, even more practical. Here's, here's one more thing. One more, I'm going to ask you to do two things this week. Make your list. Write it down. Make it tangible, physical. Make the list. Number two, I'm assuming that there are going to be people on your list. I'm grateful for, and they have a name. I don't know their name. You know their name. You're grateful for them. You should know their name. I want you to tell three people this week that are on your list. You're on my list. Not that, say that, see, they're not going to know what to do with that. You're on my list. That normally means a bad thing, right? If somebody's on your list, that's not a good thing. I want you to, that's, and in fact, that's how I want you to start this conversation. You know what? I've been thinking about you. You're on my list. They're like, whoa, what did I do? Nah, man, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful to God for you. I'm glad you're in my life. I believe God put you there. And this week, as I was thinking about you, I became less anxious about other things because worry and gratitude can't share a heart together. I'm grateful for you. I'm glad you're on my list. I hope I'm on yours in the good way. Can you do it? Can you do it? All right, let's give God some praise this morning. Father, Father, we are grateful. We are a grateful church because, God, we have seen you do amazing things in our midst. And, Father, today as we seek both to honor you, to glorify you, and, God, to experience less worry and anxiety and fear in our lives, Father, we pray that your power, your might, your compassion, your mercy... God, would be at the forefront of our mind as we begin to focus less on what we don't have and more on what we do. God, at the end of the day, if all we have is your son Jesus, God, we have more than we'll ever need. So, Father, would you help us to focus on him, focus on the gospel, on the good news of a heavenly father that loved us enough to send his son that we might not have to worry because we have a God on which we can lean. 
Father, I pray that as we begin to, to generate our lists, God, that you would be glorified by all of the good things that we see, all of the good things that we can remember, all of the times that we've seen you show up, all the times that we needed you and you were there. God, would you bring to mind all the things that we have to be grateful for that we might be able to celebrate your presence in our lives. And God, I know it to be true that as we celebrate the good things, Father, our focus and our attention on the things that we don't will begin to fade. And God, we'll be careful that when we have much to celebrate that we'll give you all the praise and all the glory for you are worthy of such things. We love you, Father. We thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.